Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Jeffrey Duckworth is an actor based in the city of Atlanta. After a decade of pursuing show business, Jeffrey feels he is on the verge of mainstream success. In this interview, he talks about finding the right agent, the importance of taking time off, and his dream role for the future. I was born in a small southern town in Georgia called Sandersville. Not very big at all. My grandfather had a farm with like pigs and chickens and stuff. Really tiny town. I grew up in a place where everybody knew everyone. You couldn't walk outside without running into somebody who knew you, your family, or somebody who may have been in your family. Very close-knit, very tight. And I loved it. A lot of people, I think, would complain about living in such a small rural area, but I think I learned a lot of really important values growing up around an entire town of people that kind of can hold you accountable. So yeah, a really small, small town boy who moved to the big city the first opportunity he got. <laughs> I was always interested in the creative arts. You know, I read a lot, I watched a lot of films, but I was really shy growing up. And I think my parents encouraged me to try theater and performing as a way to help me be a little bit more social and break out of my shell a little bit. And I think they are still regretting that to this day because now I won't shut up. (laughs) I felt as though it taught me how to be more confident. You know, when you put yourself on display for a group of people a couple nights a week and you've been working on it for months and, you know, you're really proud of it. And then you have to stand up and, you know, put just yourself on the line with a group of people. It really forces you to either put up or shut up, so to speak. So. I always explain it to people as it's the best high I've ever experienced, and it never gets old. It's always just as good as the first time. I did my first school play in eighth grade. It was Through the Looking Glass. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's based on Alice in Wonderland. And I played the Red Knight. I had one song and a handful of lines. But that first night on stage changed my whole entire life. I realized that being on stage was where I belonged. I felt at peace. It was like a genuine happiness that I I just had to have from that moment on. And after that, it was history. I think I did every single show in my high school career from the beginning of ninth grade all the way up through 12th. And that includes like band and chorus and dance. I did it all. Anything creative I had had to have my hands on. My biggest influence creatively growing up, I would have to say, would be my teachers. For a really small rural town, we were lucky enough to get actual industry professionals who had moved to our town to, you know, start a quieter life, start a family. And they really taught us how to operate in the professional entertainment world. Uh, They were a married couple. One was a dancer, one was an actor. They both still work to this day professionally. And it's just, 
they really, they didn't sugarcoat anything. It was very true to how I've experienced it now as, a, as an adult. They always used to teach us, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're fired. And that is something that I have lived my life by in its entirety. You know, they taught me a lot of really firm foundations that I use in all aspects of my life, not just entertainment. They were very uh, intense at times, but it always came from a place of love. They wanted to see us succeed and be the best we could be. Despite his supportive upbringing in the country, Jeffrey knew that pursuing a creative career meant a move to the big city. I moved to Atlanta as an escape, I would say. Growing up in a small town, you kind of want to experience something new, but it was mostly for school. I uh, signed on to attend Kennesaw State University in their theater program, and it was kind of a split-second decision. I had had already agreed on going to West Georgia and came to Atlanta on a whim because a friend of a friend, you know, really said that I should go check out Kennesaw, that their theater program was great and that I would really love the vibe of the city. So, you know, my parents and I packed in the car and we came up here and literally within being on the campus for like five minutes, I had already decided that this is where I wanted to be. And it was the best decision of my life. I love Atlanta. When I first moved to Atlanta, it was a huge culture shock. I had gone from living in a place where you couldn't walk out the street without being greeted somebody who knew your name, your family, your lineage, to being just a number in a crowd. And I loved it. I felt so anonymous. I felt like I can just kind of weasel through and experience the city without having the spotlight right on me. I am a a gay man. I don't know if that is appropriate to say, but I don't care. I'm a gay man. I went to this gay club in Atlanta as, you know, a small town country gay boy. I'd never really experienced the nightlife, so I really wanted to do that. So on my 19th birthday, a couple of my friends that I'd made in school took me to a gay club. I told this group of people that it was my birthday and these two lesbians uh, spanked me in the middle of the dance floor. They gave me my birthday licks, all 19 of them. And the lesbians are strong. It hurt. <laughs> Big culture shock on a lot of different avenues for me moving to Atlanta. I went to Kennesaw State University, and when I had first moved to campus, it was the first year they were doing residential students. So it was still a relatively small campus, but in the four, five, six years that I was there, we got a football team, we got a, you know, a fitness you know, stadium. It grew. Atlanta grows exponentially. It's like every time I, you know, get on the interstate or drive down the street, you see a new construction site, a new building going up. The capacity for growth in the city is absolutely insane. And none of the roads make sense. Never have, never will. And they're all terrible. Too bad, Atlanta. I did find that Kennesaw was very supportive. The staff, the professors were all great. They all really invested their time in us. The thing that kind of threw me the most about college was time management. I was a freshman in a new city at college where I was actually kind of having to manage my time a little better. I don't know. I feel like for most people, high school isn't very 
challenging. You know, you go home, you do your homework. As long as you do your assignments, there's really no no big deal. But in college, the workload is just so much larger and there is nobody there telling you or reminding you that, hey, you have an assignment due this day. So on top of my course load and then rehearsing for shows five days a week as a freshman was extremely difficult for me. My first year, which uh, I like to talk about, which was my my most favorite year because I got to meet some of my most favorite colleagues. I and two other freshmen, John Stewart and Caroline, she just got married, so I don't know what her new last name is. Sorry, Caroline, I love you. Uh, we, as freshmen, got cast in the two biggest shows of the season. So the very first show we did was Bat Boy, and I had never heard of it before. I played Bud, and then we did Fences, and I got to play Bono in Fences opposite some really talented, amazing actors. And it was kind of shocking. You know, you felt like there's more at stake on a collegiate level. And I just really appreciate all the patience that my professors and my castmates had with me as I learned and pushed myself to get better and try new things and be more comfortable and a more attentive scene partner. So definitely my first year of Kennesaw by far was the most memorable. I really tried to push myself to try different things. I am really partial to musicals. Uh, Fences was the very first uh, straight play that I ever did. And the subject matter is so um, heavy in parts of it that I, I really struggled with being true to the character that I played. The biggest thing I've had to adjust to in Atlanta is how competitive it is. I came from a small, supportive town where after every show, oh, you're going to go far. You're, gonna, you're so talented. We can't wait to see you to do big things. And then you move to a city where everybody got that same speech from their high school drama teacher or, you know, their friends and family where they have decided to come and pursue this. You know, they're the best of their crop from wherever they are. And it's a little intimidating. It was very easy to kind of get discouraged when you're in a room full of so many extremely talented people. But then again, that's that's where that confidence kind of comes in. You kind of have to remember that confidence that you've built over the time of practice and investment in your skills that they're good, but so are you. I would say the film industry in Atlanta at that time, it was big. You know, you knew that people came here to film because it was a little bit cheaper than than doing it in like New York or let's say L.A., but there really wasn't a huge push for it. It wasn't that really big a deal. I was focusing mostly on, you know, schooling and theater, so I wasn't really paying that much of attention to the film industry itself. I did get a chance to do a short film for a friend of mine in college. And that's what really kind of turned my eye towards the film side of things. Cause I had always, always assumed that I would be a stage actor. And that first short film that I did, I loved it. I loved the, the tedium of making a movie. There's so much that goes into it. So much standing around long days, frustration. And I love being a part of all the hard work and then seeing the finished product. So after I was in that short film, I kind of took a back seat on the theater and I took a semester off of school to kind of really get some real world experience, you know, go on auditions, 
you know, write a little bit, try to film a little bit, learn as much as I could. And in that process, the biggest name at the time, I feel like for a Black actor was Tyler Perry. That's all I really knew about Atlanta, that Tyler Perry produced a lot of his things there. And because I was a Black actor in Atlanta, I needed to be trying to work with Tyler Perry. Even though he was right on track with his professional acting studies, Jeffrey felt compelled to put them on hold for a variety of different reasons. I had been without an agent for a year. I had just graduated high school. I'd gone through my first year of college, and I had decided that I was going to take a break and get real-world experience. I was going to go audition, and to do that, I needed an agent. So after my first year of school, I signed with AMT and was with them for about two years. And then my contract ended and I took some time off. I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot. I got into photography and filmography. I was tired of watching TV and seeing roles that I thought I would be perfect for and not seeing myself represented. So during that break, I was like, I want to create content for people like me, for the Black gay country guys of the world. And I, I really try to lean into that. And by doing so, I really think I found a, my creative voice. It really defined who I was as an artist. And I got a little bit more of my identity. And I think I needed to take that time to really consider what it meant to be a creative, 100%. When I took that year off, it was just a really important time for me to make that distinction of, are you an artist 100% or not? Because it's, it's a commitment. It's something that you have to commit to wholeheartedly and 100%. And I felt like I was trying to, I wanted to be a creative. I wanted to be an artist without putting in all the work. Because there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just going to auditions and, you know, getting the job. It's, you know, taking acting classes on your days off. It's, you know, going to the dance studio when you have time, making sure you do your vocal exercises, you know, taking the time to learn about things that you don't know. And I, I wasn't putting in that effort. And I, once I started to, you know, be a little bit more proactive about my career instead of just leaving it to having an agent, doors started to open a lot more for me. I got a lot more opportunities to do things that I never thought that I'd get to do and experience, you know, parts of the life that I'm so eager to be a part of. Despite obtaining real-world experience and finishing his professional studies, instant success was still elusive to Jeffrey, as it is for many young actors. I definitely was very fully committed to pursuing creativity right off the bat. But then you kind of realize that you have to kind of, you have to pay the bills while you're trying to be a creative. And that's just a very hard and fortunate reality is that not everybody gets to immediately go and work in their field in this industry. So, you know, I currently I'm a server and I do captions for YouTube videos and, you know, films and things like that, just so that I can have my hand in the like, even if it's just watching and captioning, I want to, you know, be a part of it any way that I can. And I've been trying to slowly transition away from more conventional work and focusing more on, you know, being creative and trying to market myself that way. But it's hard. It really is. My nephew seems to think 
because I have that he's seen me, you know, on TV or in certain things. He just assumes that I am just the richest person in the world. And I constantly have to remind him that I am, they call it starving artist for a reason. <laughs> that did not just come out of nowhere. More often than not, I am Baroque. <laughs> I'm currently signed with East Coast Talent in Atlanta, uh, managed and run by the incredible Barbara Garvey. She works very hard for us <laughs> at all times of the day. And I didn't have an agent for a very long time. And I think that's what kind of changed the trajectory of my career path. I have done a lot of commercials. I just recently uh, finished a commercial for ICOS. It's this new tobacco vape company. That was a lot of fun. I, I got a chance to work on a really large film that I can't talk about right now, which is great. It, it was just surreal. The biggest project I've ever been a part of, two months of my life, you know, every day, day in and day out, being around actual professionals, people who, you know, had made names for themselves and just soaking it all in. I try to take every experience as a learning opportunity. So whenever I get a chance to be around the bigwigs, the people who are really cutting their teeth, I try to just soak it all in, shake as many hands, you know, make as many connections as possible. It's been great. I can't wait until I can say more about about it. It's, the movie should be coming out soon in the next couple of months around December. So be on the lookout, you guys. It was a very, 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 very small supporting role. <laughs> but my voice hopefully will get heard. That's another thing that I have to get used to in the entertainment industry is that you'll shoot all day and, you know, you'll have some really great moments. And you'll be like, oh, man, I really hope, you know, that moment is going to be really great on screen. And then you get to the premiere or the screening of the show and all of the things that you were proud of have been cut out. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, okay. Well, maybe that wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be, or it wasn't as good as it looked. But I'm really excited. I hope my scenes don't get cut. But if they do, I still got paid for them. So it's okay. I have gotten a chance to work at Tyler Perry Studios, not for Tyler Perry. Personally, I got an extra role on the haves and the half-nots. It was actually the very first thing that my nephew ever saw me in on TV because he called me. Uh, right after he watched it and asked me if I was famous. <laughs> and I told him no. I mean, I literally flashed on the screen for like maybe three seconds. But it was the first time that I had ever, you know, been on, you know, a syndicated actual network TV show. So it was a really big deal for me. And I will always be grateful for Tyler for that because it was awesome. I got to be a part of the 72-hour horror film festival in Atlanta. And we... Created Killer Rehab about a rehab facility for serial killers. And I got a chance to play one of the biggest bads of the serial killers. It was a lot of fun trying to purposely be creepy. I don't know. I hope it came off the right way. But um, it was it was a challenge. It was fun. I love the crunch of time that we had to put it on. It, it's just, that's what it is. That's what I love about being a creative, those moments that nobody gets to see, the behind the scenes, the 1 a.m. days, the absolute chaos that goes on, that's my favorite part. I think that self-taping really has helped me soar in Atlanta. In-person auditions are very nerve-wracking, I think, for everybody. But with self-tape, you get a chance 
to do it over and over and over again, and then choose the one that you think fits best. And I also think it gives you an opportunity to kind of learn more about the behind the scenes of it. When the quarantine started, I, just like everybody else, had a lot of time on their hands. So I started to think, what can I do to make this time productive? And I was like, hey, all of the things that I've spent money on, headshots, you know, going to get self-tapes done by other people. That's also another part of acting that starts to get expensive in addition to your classes and all that. Just the upkeep of, you know, your brand of, you know, you representing yourself. So I went and bought a camera, a tripod, some lights. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this stuff for myself. Because not only am I saving myself some money, but I'm also teaching myself new skills that could potentially earn revenue for me in the future. Since I started at the beginning of the pandemic, I've done self-tapes for, you know, friends, clients, myself, and I think it's really made a difference. I've gotten a chance to to do a lot of shorts and other things because of self-tape, and I love it. I don't know if I would ever want to go back to doing in-person auditions again, which is bad to say, I think. You know, maybe towards the end, you know, when you're getting towards the final decisions, but, you know, off the rip, I think self-tape is the best way to do it. I think the biggest disadvantage that Atlanta actors face opposed to LA or New York would be just the resources. I know a lot of big companies have their bases in LA, in New York, and Atlanta is just kind of starting to get that sort of notoriety. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot, I do think that Atlanta has the potential to be one of the largest, you know, hubs for entertainment in the Southeast, which is what we need. Every, you've always thought that, you know, to be successful as an artist of any kind, you got to go to New York to live in a shoebox apartment. You got to go to L.A. where everything is outrageously expensive. Not an option for a lot of people. And I think... Atlanta is really giving a lot of people their shot to pursue their dreams, not only with their up and coming, you know, notoriety in the entertainment industry, but also with the self tapes, because you could reach a lot more people. You give a lot more people an opportunity to audition for your projects virtually than you ever did in person. I think it's kind of starting to even out a little bit more now with the self tapes, because usually you'd have to be in L.A. or in New York to get those opportunities, but now not so much. I am trying to kind of build a more creative collective in Atlanta. I visit Nashville a lot. And the one thing I really admire about the music scene there is that it's it's so collaborative. Everybody's super supportive of everybody's uh, sets and, you know, endeavors. Everybody comes to the releases. I always feel so recharged creatively whenever I go visit Nashville. And I wish it was more like that in Atlanta, it kind of seems a little bit more cutthroat to me. Everybody's out for themselves, but I wish it could be a little bit more supportive. Other than, you know, the people in your circle, it'd be nice to see us kind of push each other up. Now 10 years into the acting profession, Jeffrey remains committed to reaching his goals. I don't think I'll ever give up on my dream of being an artist for life. Because yes, the money is a really big deciding factor, but that's not what the most important thing to me. When I first started doing this, I was doing it because it made me happy, not because anybody was paying me to do it. So I don't think that should change just because, you know, the stakes are different. Would I love to be financially successful as an actor? Absolutely. Would it break me if that doesn't happen right away or at all? No. 
My dream role would be to play a Marvel villain. Hint, hint. MCU. Looking at you. I'm a huge fan of the MCU. I love their movies. I love their characters. They've been a big part of my life since childhood. And I've always wanted to play a villain. There's something like particularly unsettling about, you know, those distinguished, quiet type, you know, bosses with the tie and they seem so put together, but at a moment's notice, you know, they're, you know, raining hell down on everyone else. That's the kind that's the kind of role I would love to play, the kind of subdued but volatile sort of villain. I love villains. I think they they are extremely underrated. Everybody always focuses on the superhero. They want to hear the story of the superhero, but how did the villains get to be where they are? Because there are only a couple different, you know, experiences or decisions between becoming a hero and becoming a villain, in my personal opinion. I chose this life because it makes me happier than anything else, and to me, that's what's most important. So if you're passionate about it, don't let anybody stop you from doing it. Because at the end of the day, you are the only person who lives your life. Nobody else does. So do what makes you happy. I think if it starts to get easy, then I would get bored. I hope it just continues to get harder. I think, I hope the more success, if I get more success, hopefully when I get more success, that the challenges keep coming because I want to always be pushing myself to new heights. I want to be one of the best and you don't get to be one of the best if everything's easy. The best advice that I could give for somebody who is in the early stage of their acting career in that first 10 years is to don't give up. And there's a lot of work that you have to do on your end. Take class, as many classes as you can. Uh, Challenge yourself, things that you wouldn't normally do. I am terrible at Shakespeare. The language is super hard for me, but I always try to read a soliloquy or, you know, try to do something from a little bit more of a classical standpoint just to challenge myself, you know, because every challenge that you present yourself just gives you an opportunity to be better. And you might not always know how you're getting better, but it'll always make itself known eventually. So just challenge yourself. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there when it's all for fun and games. And what I mean what I mean by that is there were earlier on in my career, whenever anybody would find out that I was an actor or a singer or a dancer, usually their first thing is, will you do something for me? Or we'd go out to karaoke and they'd be like, oh, you know, get up there and sing a song. And I'd always be like, oh no, you know, oh no. And that kind of shyness coming out again. And it's, you got to take your opportunities where you, you, you can because you never know who's going to be in the room. I remember this one time I was doing karaoke. I'd had you know, a few drinks and my friends were pressuring me to get up and sing a song. And I don't know, sometimes you, you just get shy. You, you get, you're not confident in yourself. And I just told myself to sh- shut up and got on stage and I sang Talk Dirty to Me by Jason Derulo. <laughs> A lot of high notes in that song, and it it wasn't bad, but it definitely wasn't the best I'd ever done. And there was somebody in the crowd who, you know, was a music producer and was looking for backup vocals for one of their records. And because I took a chance and just got on stage and sang a song, they really enjoyed it and, you know, approached me about doing backup vocals. And that would have never happened had I not put myself out there. So always, you know, if there's an opportunity to sing at a piano bar or karaoke, do it. If that's your passion, do it. Because people will see 
your passion for it and want to know more. They'll want to be a part of it. They'll want to invest in you. They'll want to get more of that if they see how passionate you are about it. And I would also say just don't give up. It's intimidating because there are a lot of people who want to be in this industry. And more often than not, most of them are talented. You just have to stand firm in what you can bring to the table. And you can't wait for an opportunity. If you've been waiting for an opportunity and it's just not coming and you're not seeing it, make it for yourself. Be that content creator. Issa Rae is one of my biggest influences right now because I remember watching her YouTube series, Diary of an Awkward Black Girl, when it first started. And, you know, she turned that into insecure. You know, like you never know where your trajectory is going to be. So if you're not seeing the roles you want, make them. If you're not seeing the songs that you want to hear on the radio, make them. That's our job as artists, as creators, is to put out what everybody consumes. There's no rules. There's no standard. It changes all the time. Be the change you want to see in the industry, just like in anything else. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at Creators by Moonlight.